Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. good to see all of you guys and I'm grateful for you it is a privilege to be here it's a privilege to sing with you gather and worship Jesus together if you're joining us online an app or a podcast thank you for being here as well and at this time I would like to invite everyone if you could to get out your Bibles or a a a, a Bible app on your phone and I want you to go to the book of Psalms that is in the Old Testament and today we're going to be looking at Psalms 23 specifically because today we are beginning a new nine-week series that we have entitled Mixed Tape. Now, when I say that, you may think numerous things. You may think that is odd, and depending upon your age, you may be thinking, what exactly is a mixed tape, right? Well, let me just tell you the definition is a mixed tape is, um, well, a mixed tape was a homemade, I got the definition, homemade compilation of music that you would record onto a cassette tape. Once again, you may know what a cassette tape is, but that's something else altogether. But you see, here's the deal. Back in my day, we did not have this fancy little thing (laughs) called the internet. You know what I'm saying? We didn't have that. And so if you wanted to download or you, if you wanted to listen to music on demand, what you had to do was get a cassette tape and put it in your um, cassette player I don't know what you would do, but I would wait for my favorite song to come on and then I would record it, all right? You got that. And then what you would do is you get all your favorite songs then you would get them together and you would put them on one single tape so that you could more or less kind of have your favorite song on demand, all right? And so you would have, I don't know, different cassettes for different reasons. You might have a mixtape for... um, I don't know, exercise, running, a mixtape for studying, mixtape for road trips. I remember it like it was yesterday, get my mixtape, get in my covered wagon, head out west. I don't know, man, it was rough back then. What is different today, man? Today it's much simpler. You got iTunes, iPhones, and we can make all the playlists we want to with great ease. In fact, today, there's actually people who get paid money to curate a, a, a playlist that you would like for a specific occasions, and they're, they're all over the place. I, I've got a lot of playlists on, on my phone. I got them for exercise, for road trips. Um, my daughter has her specific little playlist that she has, and so that's basically a mixtape, a mixtape, a mixtape. And so you may say that's great, a little educational tour of, I don't know, playlists, but what does that have to do with the Bible? And that's a good question. The reality is, 
is that the book of Psalms, and that's what we're going to be study, studying, is similar to a playlist because the book of Psalms is a kind of a collection of songs for the people of God to sing in different seasons of your life. And so as a believer, as a Christian, as you're going through life, you're going to go through difficult times and there's Psalms for that. And you're going to go through, I don't know, great times, exciting times, joyous times, and there's Psalms for that. But the book of Psalms gives you songs for every season of your life. So no matter what season you're going to, there is a psalm that addresses that. And so we are going to, over the next nine weeks, kind of make a playlist of psalms. Psalms that we can use, that we can study, that we can read for any occasion that we might be going through. So it's kind of a mixed tape. And so we're going to begin today. We're going to begin today. So if you're making a mixtape, you might, I don't know, wonder or think, what song would I begin in a mixtape? And sometimes you might begin with your favorite song at the time or whatever, and one that's familiar, you might do that. And, and so we're going to kind of do that today with our mixtape of the book of Psalms. One of the most popular, one of the most well-known, one of the most universally quoted psalms in the Psalter. Psalter, meaning the book of Psalms, is Psalm 23. And so we're going to look at it. This is going to be our first psalm in our psalms playlist. It's only six verses, but it's packed. I want to read it to you, and then we are going to unpack it. Let me read this glorious, glorious psalm. It begins this way. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, come on, guys. Beautiful. Now, there's many different ways we could examine this psalm, but what I want to do today is specifically look and focus on five simple, gentle, glorious truths about the shepherd. Because in this psalm, it does a lot of different things, but one thing it does is gives us a clear picture. It gives us some clear truths about the great shepherd, our God, our Savior, Jesus. So let's walk through it, all right? Five truths we see in this psalm about the shepherd. You can take notes if you want to. First thing we see, just walking through it. I just walked through it, and we're going to see these truths. First thing, we'll see the shepherd's care is personal. It's personal. Now, we don't know the background of this psalm specifically. We know that King David wrote it, and it's written and based out of the fact that he once was a shepherd, and he probably wrote this during a very difficult time in his life. And I would sit here and I would say, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have walked through a difficult time? We would all raise our hand. If I was to ask how many of you are currently going through a difficult time, probably the same number of people would raise their hand. 
So let's see what David says. We're looking, just walking. First five words. You're going through a difficult time? Know this, Christian. The Lord is my shepherd. That's how he begins. Notice, first two words. Man, you get in a bind, you get in a difficult situation. First two words, the Lord. It does not say the Lord is a shepherd. Does not say the Lord is 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 a kind of shepherd. Right? It says he is my shepherd. Like not my feelings are my shepherd. Not my knowledge is my shepherd. Not my political views are my shepherd. The thing that is my shepherd is the Lord God, sovereign of the universe. He is my shepherd. I want to make sure I say this clearly. It means if you are not a Christian. If you had not repented and believed, then the sovereign God is not your shepherd. You have to repent and believe for him to be your shepherd. You see, a shepherd only shepherds his flock. And to be in the flock of Jesus, you have to repent and believe. That's how any of us become in that flock one way, the Lord. The Lord, the Lord, I'm going through difficult times. I'm having difficult situations. All these things coming on around me. What do I do? First thing you got to know is that the Lord God is your shepherd. Second word in that I want you to see is this. I love this. I love this. I love this. I love. There's some big words in the Bible, but I'm telling you, it's some of the small words that are the most beautiful. That word, my, 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 the Lord is my shepherd we see that his care is personal me my mine he is my shepherd it is extremely personal christian know that his love for you is personal he knows you he knows what seat you're sitting in right now we got new seats in the sanctuary yeah He knew what seat you were going to sit in. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows your difficulties. He knows what makes you laugh. God knows you, Christian. The Lord is my shepherd. So first thing we see about the shepherd is his care is personal. We're going to keep moving. Next thing we're going to see is the Lord's, the shepherd never stops providing so powerful we were still in the first verse man the lord is my shepherd look at this i shall not want literally i will not lack christian i will not lack hey the implication is here is god is not if jesus is not your shepherd if you are not a christian if you have not repented and believed then you are lacking i'll tell you right now before someone told me about jesus Before I was convicted, before I repented and I believed, I did not think I was lacking. But when I understood that I was far from God, I understood quickly that I was indeed lacking and the thing that satisfied was Jesus. That's it. Now, real quick, some people might look at that and say, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I shall not lack. I shall not lack. I don't know, man. Let me tell you something. I would like to have a new car, and I currently do not have a new car, so I am, I don't know, lacking. Maybe there is some difficulty or untruth in here. 
Now, if you think that way, if you come to the text that way, I want you to understand you're opposing upon the text because that is not what the text is talking about. That is not the kind of want that it's talking about. It does not mean that if Jesus, if God is our shepherd, that we're going to have everything our heart might desire. It does mean we will not want for anything that we actually need. There's a, guys, I know it's a struggle. It's a struggle where we live at, in this culture we live in. It's, it's, it's a struggle between determining the difference between a desire and a need because our entire economic system right now is built in order to create in you a felt need and then they produce a product to meet that felt need and so we go around you can go around many do go around in a perpetual desire for something else that's not what king david talking about here he's not talking about this 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 felt need this thing that this world is creating around us we hear we see and this flesh wants i won't i won't i won't i won't that's not what he's talking about here what he's talking about here, Christian, is that God has provided everything spiritually that you need. There is nothing that you need spiritually that Jesus has not satisfied. He has fully paid for it all. He is all-satisfying. Brings him glory. I'll praise the Lord. Yes, he never stops providing for our needs. I'm talking about the shepherd. So we see the shepherd's care is personal. We see the shepherd never stops providing. We're going to just, just move and just walking through this. And I'm concentrating. I'm thinking about as I'm reading this, what does this tell me about the shepherd? The third thing I believe we're told here is the shepherd's provision is based on grace. Like, like, like his provision, his provision is not based upon I don't know how you look, how you smell. He's not based upon what you do or what you do not do. It's all based upon his grace. Read, let's do the text. Let's do the text. Travis, Travis, you can say anything you want. Sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't, but I don't care about it unless it's in the text. That's a good place to be in. What does the text say? Verse two, he, that's the good shepherd, makes me, that's the Christian, lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. I can tell you right now, there's a whole lot of he doing stuff here, right? He doing it. He doing it. He makes. He leads. He restores. Now, I, find, I find a lot of great comfort in that, right? Our God is taking the responsibility of caring, leading, and guiding, and directing us, and it's not based upon us, it's based upon his grace. His grace, it's his grace. Not my ability, not, man, honestly, if I was in charge of leading me, I would never lead myself to green pastures, still waters, none of that. It is him doing that. He makes me lie down. I mean, lie down, man. Don't we? Seriously. Don't we don't. A lot of us need to lie down. We on this little roller, this little, little wheel. I'm going to keep going. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. Come on. Yeah. 
This may surprise you. It may not surprise you. I think it will surprise you. But um, just being transparent here, I don't know a whole lot about sheep. Oh, we didn't know that, Travis. I don't. There's, 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 there's two things, honestly. This, I'm invested. This is the depth of my sheep knowledge. Two things. You ready for this? This is the first thing I know about sheep. First thing I know about sheep is this. They taste good, all right? Uh, they're nothing like a lamb. Listen, if you're a vegan or vegetarian, stay strong. But I'm telling you, man, uh, you, I mean, <laughs> like in, in Africa or in Arabia, when your Arab friend invites you over to a little lamb roast over an open fire, got the pita bread, you got, you got the hummus, you put that together, lights out, man. Lights out is good stuff. So I know that. I know that. There's a second thing I know about sheep, lambs, whatever. I know, I, I learned this from a specific sheep. The sheep's name was Sergeant. Here's what Sergeant taught me. Sergeant taught me that you can't cha- train a sheep to lie down, all right? Well, I'm bro- so I'm growing up, yeah, I'm kind of East Texas, East of Dallas, a little small little town called Forney, Texas, F-O-R-N-E-Y, look it up, it's a place. My brother, man, he was in the FFA 4-H or something like that, I don't know, and one year he's gonna, he gonna raise a lamb, so he gets Sergeant. Sergeant, Sergeant's a little cute, little lamb. Lambs are cute, that's the third thing I know. I didn't even put that, lambs are cute. They're cute little dudes, but we were raising this, sh- this sheep, this lamb, man. And man, you know, you had to know how much to feed that lamb every single day because he didn't, he put him food, that, that dude would just eat everything, man. He, he, he put a trash bag in here, he need a trash bag. Don't matter, man. But you couldn't, he's not like a dog. He couldn't go, hey, sergeant, sit. He's not gonna sit, you get a ball, gonna play catch, boom, you'd be hitting the sergeant. He ain't doing nothing. They don't lie, you can't, you can't get a sheep to lie down. A sheep will only lie down when it has had plenty to eat, when its thirst has been quenched, when it's not threatened by anything, when it's not being disturbed by any insect or anything like that. A sheep has to be exceedingly well taken care of if it's going to lie down. It has to be satisfied. And what do we see here? Our God is eternally satisfying. And he makes us lie down in green pastures. He says he leads us. He leads us beside still waters. Now, I'm going to tell you, I love the, there's a lot of words here I love. I'm not going to talk about all of them. I'm going to talk about some of my favorites. I love this word leads. I love the word leads because some of us have an inaccurate view of the shepherd. It does not say the shepherd drives the sheep does not say the shepherd be beating the sheep. It says he leads the sheep. We see here that God is gentle. Now I understand some of you may have a difficult time picturing God as a gentle God because maybe you grew up in a very legalistic church. I do not know. But he is self-disclosing of himself here that he is gentle. He's gentle, God's gentle. I think I told you this story maybe a long time ago. I don't know. When I was in seminary, I was blessed to do an internship under one of my seminary professors, um, Dr. Brookie Stockton. I would later go on staff there and be the associate teacher, pastor, and, and it was in that, they would, that was one of the first churches that would let me preach, and I thank God for them and him. But I remember one time I'm 
talking to Dr. Stockton specifically about being a pastor and about preaching. He was a big guy, got a big old beard. He was a scholar of scholars and had nothing but respect for the man. And I remember he took me, got really quiet, and he looked at me straight in the eyes. He goes, Travis, listen to me. Travis, listen to me. Travis, pay attention to me. He looked me in the eye, and he says, the shepherd never beats the sheep. And it was quiet. And it stuck with me. Shepherds don't beat the sheep. If you're getting beat by a shepherd, you might wonder, is that a a shepherd? There There you go, a little commentary. (laughs) But take a bigger picture here. We see the chief shepherd is not a beater of the sheep. He leads the sheep. Where does he lead them? Still waters. Still waters, that's a picture of peace, soul-satisfying, bone-deep peace. Question is, once again, we're staying in the text. Why is he doing that? Because you see, in contemporary Christianity, there is a propensity to sit there and think it's all about me, right? Like we insert ourselves to every Bible story. If there's a Bible character, it's about me. If there's a situation, it's about we really, me. We like a lot of me. It's not all about you. It's not all about me. It's all about God. Why is he doing it? It says here, verse three, last part, for his name's sake. It's all for his glory. The shepherd is glorified when the sheep are satisfied. I'm telling you, it's, it's there. And some people said there, how is it good news to me if God is doing all of this for his glory? It's really good news. It's showing us that God has bound up his glory and his honor and his reputation in his name and his faithfulness by providing for you and I in the midst of our difficulty. That's good news. God has committed to my good As much as he is committed, I guess, for his glory because he is glorified when I am satisfied in him. Church, us, that's good news. It's good news that God does this all for his namesakes. His glory, my joy, our good. Let's keep walking, keep walking. Fourth thing, the shepherd's grace produces no fear. Come on, listen, verse four. Even though... Oh, there's a twist there, right? Like we all, it's all good. And I was like, even though, even though, even though, here we go. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. There's a lot going on there, a lot going on there, a lot going on there. I just want to do four quick truths, all right? First truth is this, Christian, you will walk through valleys. Ain't nobody, nobody said amen. amen. Come on, we know it's true, I know. What do they say? If a pastor has to ask for an amen, he didn't deserve it. But the deal, we walk through valleys. And we just read verse one, two, and three, and they were awesome, right? Because it was no need, you're lying in green pastures, your soul being restored. You get to verse, what? What is verse one? We get verse four. Verse four, verse four, valley shadow death. He's like, oh, where'd that come from? 
Like, like you, wanna, you wanna live in verse one, two, and three, verse one, two, and three, everything nice, everything sweet, everything great. You get to verse four and all of a sudden valley, shadow, and death. If I had a choice, I'd like to live in verses one, two, and three. The problem is that is not reality. Life is not always green pastures. It's not always still waters. Every one of you know this. You've experienced it. You may be experiencing it right now, but just like verse four, out of nowhere, you get hit. You get hit. You get a phone call. I don't know. Someone passed away. You get a phone call from your doctor. Diagnosis. I don't know. You're just sitting like... We're all going to go through valleys and none of us get to choose when. None of us get to choose, you know, what it's going to be. We don't, but it all happens. I remember, I mean, lots of times. I remember I was nine years old. I'm going to school, normal school day. I'm sitting there, lunchroom, eating my lunchy lunch. It's good stuff. You got that little pizza, you know, it's the pizza day, eating my pizza. Teacher comes and gets me. Says, you need to go home. Someone picks me up, takes me home, and I learned that my father had passed away. Oh, I did not anticipate that. I woke up in the morning thinking about, am I going to be able to play, I don't know, soccer with my buddies, whatever. I'm going to bed, don't got a father. Where'd that come from? You all know what I'm talking about. You do. That's life. That's life. It's hard. Things happen that you do not anticipate. Well, that leads us to the second truth in the text. We're going to go through valleys, but what? God will be with you. Don't doubt that, Christian. I will fear no evil for you. God are with me. Notice we're not told that evil does not exist. We are not told that scary things are not in this world. Christian, we're just told not to be afraid of them. Don't let them pin you in. Do not let them manipulate you. Do not allow them to be the context in which you're going to navigate the world and those around you. You know, why? Why? Don't why? If it's evil, if it's scary, why ought I not be fearful? Text tells us because the sovereign God of the universe is with you. You're going to walk through valleys. God's going to be with you. Next truth I see in that, God will comfort you. That's good, man. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is the supreme source of all comfort. The Bible says that, 2 Corinthians Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. My friend, you will not get any comfort that does not come from the living God. Fourth truth in the text, God will sustain you. You're gonna go through those valleys, man. God will be with you. He will comfort you. And not only is he gonna sustain you, you, God, prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. Thank you. Thank you, man. That, no, read it. It's in the text. It's right there. In the presence, it's present tense, in the presence of my enemies, the living God is preparing for me a banquet. Not in the future, not in the past, like right now, in the midst, a banquet 
It means the best utensils, the best dishes, the best, best, best food is served, and it's served in abundance. And God says, I'm Elia, right now, Christian, right now, I'm preparing that table before you. You got your enemies all around. You might very well ask, Well, who are my enemies? Who are my enemies? Listen, all of us have three main enemies. And these three main enemies are coming at you all the time, perpetually, from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, and sometimes even when you are sleeping. What are the three enemies? One, the world. The world's your enemy. It's coming at you. Two, your flesh. It perpetually seems to be rebelling against me. Three, Satan. He's trying to attack you. And you, my friend, will be fighting them all the time. You know, you don't want to go time out, bing, bing. You know, you want it. I've been fighting the world. I've been fighting my flesh. I've been fighting Satan. It's all over. I just, just give me a breather. God said, you know what I'm doing? I'll tell you what I'll do. In the presence of them, I have prepared for you a banquet. Come on to the table. I think we as a people need to concentrate more on the banquet than we do the problems. Because he anoints our head with oil and our cup overflows Fifth and final thing we're gonna see about the shepherd here. Come on, man, come on. The shepherd's love is permanent. Christian, permanent, 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 permanent. Come on, verse six. Surely goodness, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever some amazing promises there and I thought about several different ways to go about this but I just want to notice three things about the promises here look at first the substance of the promises goodness and mercy goodness and mercy come on not only is that table being prepared present tense in the presence of of our enemies, we got goodness and mercy. Pursues you. Pursues you. Follows me. It's a pursuit. It's like it's coming after you, Christian. The goodness and the mercy of the living God is a, you don't have to run after it, it is in pursuit of you. It says that. It says that, Christian. Three, two, <laughs> second. The magnitude of the promise. All the days of my life. On this side of heaven. No, come on. The goodness and the mercy, they will follow you every single day on this side of heaven. There are no blackout days. There are no exclusions, exemptions, or exceptions. You do not have to wake up tomorrow morning wondering, Christian, if the goodness and the mercy of God are pursuing you. Don't worry about it. According to the text, you got it all the days of your life. Once again, because of grace, not because of you, it's all him. Come on, and then the final thing, the duration of the promise. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's eternally, eternally. That's the duration, eternally. It's a great, it's one of the, the greatest promises found in the Bible. I'm going through the valley, the shadow. Yeah. God saves me 
for his glory, for my joy, for the good of those around me. I do not know if this heart will beat tomorrow. You don't either. I do not know if my car will start tonight. I don't know what this week will bring. But I tell you, because of what Christ did on the cross in my place for my sins, when I repented and believed, I received eternal life. That's the shepherd. And then I just want to talk about that last word. It's like a bolt of thunder. It's, it's meant to be. It's the conclusion. It's like the exclamation point in English and in Hebrew. Hebrew, the word is orekyam. Orekyam. Forever. 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 The shepherd's care is personal. The shepherd never stops providing. The shepherd's provision is based on his grace. The shepherd's grace produces no fear. The shepherd's love is permanent. The Lord is my shepherd, I, I will not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. My God, my Savior, my King, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and they're coming at me all the time. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy, they're gonna pursue me all the days of my life. And when you take me home, I will dwell in your house forever. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this psalm. May we be a people who know it, who in our days of difficulties remember the shepherd. We give you the praise, we give you the glory, we give you the honor. And we ask this all in the name of our Savior Jesus, the Christ. Amen. At this time, we're going to have a time of response. And what that means, church, is in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to sing, and we're going to sing. And I'm going to ask you to respond to the Lord personally. As we went through this, if you were sitting there and the Lord spoke to you in any way, it says, just acknowledge it. I heard that, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They are about to enter the darkest moment in history and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and apart. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. 
You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.